devotional here tonight, Psalm 64. It's nice to change things up, isn't it, every now and then? It's so good to hear the stories. For the sake of time, we will not rush through it, but hit the high points here. And I think the important thing is to realize when you read these, there's a, there's a theme here. And it's a song, but we understand what songs are prayers. And I think, to me, what comes through in David's song here uh, is his com- he his life was an outflow of blessing from God and it was based upon his commitment and that's what you know uh, I think is lost today and sometimes in the church you know what does commitment mean it doesn't matter if God is good to me or if things happen in my life they're less than preferable I still am committed to him Oh, well, that didn't work, so I'm going to bail. I mean, that's what everybody does with life, seems like, right? But commitment to God leads to blessing. And David's life is a perfect illustration of that all throughout his life. Hear me, hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil manner. They talk about laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded, and so he will make them stumble over their own tongue. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. This is why it's so important for us to go through the Bible. Now, there's some real practical knowledge on the way God works. <clears throat> and, you know, it would be really easy in the time we live to just think, man, the wicked's got it. We're going down this time. It looks like this really looks bad. This is horrible. We're, we have no future, you know. I mean, you could get, of course, that's what happens. That's the kind of mindset you develop if you listen to the propaganda over the airways, right? <clears throat> but th- this is amazing how David, he says this a lot in the Psalms. You know, here it's hear my voice. Uh, Psalm 61 was hear my cry. I mean, he's pouring out his soul. There's an earnest, sincere, get a hold of God moment coming from his heart. And then he says, you know, hear my meditation. I just love, I love the word meditation because it's not, it's not some guy sitting on his, with his legs crossed, humming, 
That's not meditation. I'm not sure what that is, but that's not meditation. Meditation is a deep, serious contemplation. It's an affectionate thoughtfulness about God. It's about what you're saying to him and what you're listening to hear from him. And this is to be a continual practice in the life of a believer. It is meditation. It is a mulling over. Let's define it. It's, it's an intentional focusing of my mind and my heart on God and on his word. What is this passage saying? What is God saying in this passage? What does it mean? And what is he saying to me? And then I'm contemplating those thoughts in my mind. George Washington Carver, I think he has a way of, he processed this in his own life. He goes, he says this, my prayers seem to be more of an attitude than anything else. I indulge in no lip service, but ask the great God silently, daily, and often many times a day to permit me to speak to him. I ask him to give me wisdom, understanding, and bodily strength to do his will. Hence, I'm asking and receiving all the time. That's the fruit of meditation. That's what you're doing. You're just in this constant conversation and you're, you're, you're bringing things before the Lord. That's what the godly do. And then he, he sort of leaves this thing of, and he makes that prayer, preserve my life. And these guys are out to get me. This is real. You know, I know you're in heaven, Lord, but I'm down here and these guys don't like me very well, right? Hide me from the enemy. That's a good prayer. From the secret plots, from their rebellion. They have sharp tongues, they have bitter words, and they're deceitful. They're always shooting at the righteous because they're, and they're the sons of Satan. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it just, it's, I mean, they've become so brazen. Uh, the, the evil has just become so brazenly just advertised. I mean, there's no in the closet Satan worship anymore. They are just out in the open, and they don't care. And I don't mind exposing them. This is the U.S. House Minority Leader at the time, Nancy Pelosi, and she revealed the Democrats' political smear tactic. She called it the wrap-up smear. Do you remember that one? Good, that means you weren't listening to the news. I got sucked in, sorry. <laughs> I heard this. <laughs> it goes like this. We call it Quote, we call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they say, see, it's reported in the press that this, this, and this, and this. So they have validation that the press reported the smear, and that's, and that's it's called a wrap-up smear. And then I'm going to merchandise the press report on the smear that we have made. And so they come out with some propaganda, some lies, some misconstrued truth, half-truth, and they get the press to report it, and then they just amplify it. Well, they think they're doing this in secret. They don't think that nobody's really watching. Well, now, like I said, it's all blatantly out in the open. They tell us what they're doing. 
But years pass, and even now, there's a lot of this that goes on in secret. They're trying to bring down the righteous. The people, as I said before, was it Plato? There's none more hated than the person who tells the truth. And so if you're going to stand up and tell the truth to these people, they're going to come get you. And David is, I mean, the more things advance, and the more they change, the more they stay the same. This is, this is, how old is this book? How old is this writing? Satan's tactics don't change. He just keeps running the same playbook. That's why it's so important to just read the book and you get the playbook and you know what the guy's up to and you can pray. And we just follow David. Preserve me, Lord. Protect us. So when we pray for, like tonight, we prayed for the protection of our church because we know we're in a battle in the unseen realm. You know, verse 7, one of the greatest um, disassociative conjunctions used in the Bible. But God. <laughs> Don't you just love that? You can do what you're going to do, and you're going to try to get down on us, and you're going to try to defeat us. It's not going to happen. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He knows how to frustrate the wicked. And he understands the weapons of their warfare. And guess what? They sow to the wind, and what do they reap? They reap the whirlwind. They, their own arrows that they were shooting at the upright come back and stab them. They, he, they stumble over their words, and, and, and then he freaks them out, and they run. I mean, you read these stories in the Old Testament about how, about how they came against Israel, and then all of a sudden they're fighting themselves, and, and they kill each other. And then they run away in fear. I mean, this is, they're just, we got to understand that these people are no match for our God. And we need to keep ourselves in that frame of mind. And what's neat about this, when that kind of thing happens, those outside the faith, those that are kind of standing along the sidelines watching all this go on, like, whoa, that was God. That could have only been God Almighty that did that. And I have this feeling, feelings, <laughs> I have this conviction, this is what we're going to see in the near future. God is, going to, God is patient beyond our comprehension. But I think what's been going on in this world for decades has reached to the highest heavens, and the Almighty is not going to set with folded hands upon his throne and, and not do anything. And when he begins to move and he begins to judge this, the world will see that there's a God in heaven and they'll glorify him. He's patient, but at some point in time, he's going to let it fly and watch these people run and hide. And you know what you and I are going to do. Verse 10, <laughs> we're going to rejoice. <laughs> we're going to be pretty happy about it. Because our God is the king. And Psalm 65, we'll finish up real quick here. Uh, short, short little one. My objective is here is to get through book two um, of the Psalms, which is through Psalm 72. Uh, and then we're going to start uh, another section of the Bible, uh, which I'm holding up for right now. Uh, but that's my objective here, is to get through this second book here. And then we'll go do something else, and we'll come back and do book, th um, uh, book three. Cause it's, it's just uh, uh, the approach that I'm taking.
Psalm uh, 65. Praise is waiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh shall come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you'll provide atonement for them. Blessed is the man who you choose to cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your temple. By awesome deeds, the righteous, you will answer us. By awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You are the confidence of the ends of the earth and of all the far-off seas who establish the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves, and the tumult of the people, they also should dwell in the furthest parts of the parts are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoings of of the morning and evening rejoice. You visit the earth with water and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. It's believed that David wrote this during the barley harvest. And so when you would go to, to the temple and deliver your stuff to the priest and give your tithes and, and all, uh, it's just a time of rejoicing of God's provision and how God is so faithful to take care of his creation. And I think about that a lot. I, you know, living where I live and looking at the woods and considering the, the wildlife. And, I, you know, of course, the rain that comes here lately. <laughs> you can't help but think, it, the earth needs a drink during the hot weather, and he's given it to it to us. And uh, But you just see his faithfulness, he's, his faithfulness to creation. And, and David is, is mindful of that as he's written here. He's going to church. He's talking about his vow. He's, you know, the temple for him was his church, right? He's, he, he's, he knows that God honors commitment. God hears prayer, but he also knows that he's a sinner. And he says, you know, you, you provide atonement for them. Oh, I just see, these are just simple reminders. What did, think about each of us sitting in this room. Our sins are forgiven. And how many people, believers, live in condemnation, are guilt-ridden, and the enemy rips them off continually from the grace of God? They, because of that, they don't relate to the Lord on the basis of grace because the guilt overrides that, and it's so sad. And it's why the truth, sitting under the Word, feeding yourself, being devoted, being committed... It just, it, everything works. The blessings flow. You get out of that and you get out of sync, it, turn, it goes sideways really quick. And I, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things. 
as a pastor that I've seen over the years, when people walk with the Lord for a while, and they, for some reason they stumble, they fall, they make a mistake, and then they make shipwreck. That is the most grievous thing as a pastor to, to see happen when people turn away from the Lord. Not that they don't come to my church. I don't, that, that's not the issue, right? Just go somewhere. <laughs> just go to, just be in fellowship. But when you disfellowship completely, you no longer visit the assembly. You no, no longer are looking at the things that God is doing. You're not hearing what's going on in the lives of your brothers and sisters. And the enemy just comes in and just steals away. And this is a good reminder to just praise God for his commitment to us and his commitment to his creation. And that's, you know, if God is faithful to his creation, will he not be more faithful to even us? You know, not one sparrow falls to the earth, right? We'll read that this coming Sunday. And God remembers them and are you not more of more value than they? And it's good to have that perspective. So, Father, I just thank you for David. I thank you for his giftedness, Lord. This man of many talents, tremendous wisdom and ability, and just an incredible call upon his life. And he's written this for the nation, and he, and now we have it to ponder and see how you work with your children and how you take care of you all of your children and all of your creation, Lord. Thank you that you're as mighty as you are. I pray you enlarge our hearts and our minds so we could grasp just a little bit more every day of the magnitude of your glory and your beauty and how awesome you really are, Lord. We use that word, but we can't really get our minds around the intensity of your being, Lord. You dwell outside the universe, and it's the span of your hand. And if you would come near the earth, it would just melt. Lord, we try to understand those things and they're, they're too deep and too far for us to, it's above our reach. But help us, Lord, because the more we do, the more we love you and admire you and worship you, Lord. Bless our evening. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for the powerful testimonies that we've heard this evening, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.